Hello fellow nerds and nerdwells, it's AJ here, and welcome back to another episode of the Adventurers Anonymous podcast, the home of improvised fantasy fucknuggetry. Now usually you join us week by week as a rotating cast of geeks sip cocktails and play Dungeons and Dragons. However, after the roaring success of the last interview we did, we decided to grease up a few palms and find another guest. That's right, Matt Durant, the voice of Belsia, and myself sat down with the godfather of homebrew TTRPG content himself, Paul, a.k.a. Ampersand. A man whose surname is a mystery more closely shrouded than the whereabouts of Lord Lucan's lunchbox. You may know him for being the pioneer of the homebrew havoc movement that is currently going from strength to strength out there on the internet. Along the way, we chatted about a wide range of topics, spanning everything from what inspired him to call this community of content creators together, how he navigates being a DM whilst juggling all the plates, and we even took some time to dig out some of his favourite bits from the arse end of Norse mythology. All whilst name-checking a pantheon of fellow content creators whom he loves and respects. Of course, we will try to link to all of those accounts in the show notes where possible, so that you can check them out for yourselves. But hell, you didn't come here to listen to me gabble on now, did you? So without further ado, go grab yourself a drink, pull your chair closer to the fire, and come join us for a very special Adventurers Anonymous interview. Please enjoy. There you go, we're recording, and that means there's just time to give a massive Adventurers Anonymous welcome to, I'll get it right, Paul, a.k.a. Ampersand. Hello, Woo. I'm here. Howdy. I'm, I'm liking the fact that we're leaving your surname as a closely shrouded mystery. Yeah, I might not even have one. I, like you said, I might be like Prince and like Madonna, <laughs> and I just not have a second name. Yeah, I mean, who needs one? Who needs one? That would save time for that forum, wouldn't it? Just don't have a second name. Yeah. Yeah, we've been looking forward to having you on the podcast for a bit. Um, this is only the second interview we've ever done. We did one with your uh, colleague and partner mm-hmm. in crime, uh, Callum Lee, Clee D&D. It's C. Lee D&D, isn't it? Yes, on, on Twitter, it's at C. Lee D&D, not Clee D&D, which it looks like, and how I pronounced it for a very, very long time. <laughs> ah, so if he's going to set up like a Cleethorpe-based Dungeons & Dragons society, yeah. <laughs> Clee D&D would definitely be the way forward. All right, so for the sake of our listeners, do you want to give yourself a, a bit of an intro and, and mm-hmm. tell people where you're at and what you're sure. doing? So my name is Paul, a.k.a. Ampersand, Ampersand D20 on Twitter. I started making videos and opening intros for people's TTRPGs and Kickstarters. I'm currently DMing Homebrew Havoc, which is, uh, I presume, what these guys have brought me on to talk about, um, (laughs) which is a collaborative effort of about six or seven different creators all across TTRPG Twitter, bringing their content together, homebrew content together, and throwing it into a D&D campaign that I have to do my best to focus on and make into a story. That's kind of brilliant. I really like the whole concept of um, homebrew content and just kind of cobbling together people's great ideas and stuff like that. So I know Callum spoke at some length in the last interview we did about um, the concept of homebrew havoc. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it is, and I know a lot of our listeners are probably already on there, and if they're not, they probably should be. So yes. we'll, we'll we'll leave a link <laughs> somewhere in the outro. But um, what inspired you in the first place 
to make homebrew havoc? So a very long time ago, um, I would talk like November, early November. Callum, uh, silly DD, contacted me and said we should do a DD stream together. I was like, okay, that was quite a nice moment for me because I felt that at that point I'd initiated myself into the community because someone approached me and asked me to DM. Um, so I was like, yeah, okay, give me give me a week or so and I'll think about an idea to do. I was like, how can I make it unique? How can I not be the same as every other five friends on Twitch streaming? I was like, well, mm. what if we did homebrew stuff? Like, what if I made it all? What if I did everything myself? And so I suggested that to Callum. I went, yeah, all right, can you do that? Can you homebrew the entire campaign? I was like, no. What if <laughs> <laughs> we got a bunch of other people to do that instead? Um, I said, look, I'll reach out. I know some people. I've talked to a fair few of them now. And I know it exists. So why don't we just get a bunch of people together and see if they want to give us or let us buy, purchase uh, their content. And we'll throw it into a campaign together. And we'll credit them, obviously. And we'll invite them to a Discord. We'll get some big names in on it so that, you know, build up some hype. And yeah, we'll find three other players and see if they're interested and see what they can do. That's kind of really exciting. Like, (laughs) I think the world is a better place when we share our ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say that with no sense of irony <laughs> as I work for the patent office. <laughs> uh, my full-time job is protecting people's ideas. But don't tell anyone. I think the world is better when we share our ideas. Probably yeah. how I get fired. This will be the last podcast <laughs> I can afford to do. Uh, sorry to my boss. But yeah, no, I think the world is, is genuinely a better idea when we mm-hmm. pull our ideas. And being that yeah. D&D is completely built off one's imagination. Precisely. Yeah, absolutely. And I really wanted people, I really wanted people who were from Britain, right, in UK, because I'd seen like a thousand American streams and whatnot, and they were not in my time zone. And I got a bit sick at this point of dealing with time zones. <laughs> so first thing I wanted was British creators, or British players, I should say. And then I wanted people who had already created something to be my players. So Shiv, one of my players, he's a writer mm. um, and he does that. Ailey is an artist, so she was happy to not only play, but she did all the character art for us. I thought, that's Brilliant. amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Tony, I saw through her guest spot on Roll the Damn Dice, and she was just a fantastic role player. So I was like, yep, yeah, going to have you. Come over. And she also makes, like, D&D stickers and memorabilia and stuff like that. So I was really excited to have such a creative group all Mm. pushing into the same direction, all sharing that shared vision of this is what it could be and how good it could be if we do it right. Could you help me do it right? Because I can't do this on my own. So yeah, after that, I reached out to some creators and decided to do everything homebrew. That's brilliant. I mean, it very much sounds like you're the A-team Cherry picking the best special forces of <laughs> D&D. Whereas you've literally just made our little group sound like the Chuckle Brothers. <laughs> no no offence, Matt. No, no, I think we all bring... It's, in- it's, it's interesting you say that. I think there's certain... Um, I think you have to have a certain um, creative personality type to even mm-hmm. begin thinking about D&D and that naturally, mm-hmm. that naturally, I think, just attracts artists and writers and... Mm-hmm. And uh, people work with video and all kinds of things, and it's yeah. um, there's that mindset of you look at something and see what it could be or how much better it could be, yeah, rather than just what it is. 
Uh, so like all the players look at something, whether it's like a piece of writing, a picture, a video, and we'll go, that's good. I could do that better. Or yeah. that could be better. And that's what we want. We want things to be the best they possibly can. And everyone we've brought on so far shares that idea. So I'm really excited for that. That's really good. And I think D&D in itself and possibly tabletop role-playing in itself is quite a broad church. Mm -hmm. And there is a space in there for just about everybody. Yeah. I think we may have touched on this a little bit in the last interview we did, but we'll we'll go over it again because it's kind (laughs) of cool. There are people who are attracted to it just for the law. There mm-hmm. are people who are, and I mean that both ways, like the rules in terms yeah. of, I am the law. <laughs> and also, first crap impression out of them. <laughs> and also the law is in the history and the canon and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. that stuff. But then there's people who are drawn to it for the rules, for the statistics, for yeah. the rigid structure. And then there's people like me who are just drawn to like pissing about, having a good time and, and spinning out a yarn. Yeah, And you can hide in any one of those or all mm-hmm. of those or like and I, I love seeing different groups made up of people who yeah. are from those different camps yeah and and now i know Callum did say it but we'll have to say it every time with the internet being the way that it is and the ttrpg twitterverse being the way that it is it is so easy to find a bunch of people who were drawn to dnd for any of those reasons mm. like mm. i know if i were to my standard game is uh, rules light fantasy. But if I wanted to do, you know, a rules as written uh, futuristic sci-fi D&D game, I could probably find players within a within a day who are interested in that and want to play that. Like, there's such variety of people out there now all with this shared idea and shared interest. Mm. It's so easy to find people who are like-minded, like you say. Okay. That leads us very nicely into our next question, almost like we intended this, but we didn't. We're <laughs> leaping around all over the place. How do you balance homebrew content, as in finding the balance between the rule of cool and mm. like fair play, I suppose you'd call mm. it, you know, like sensible rules? So I come, before I dived headfirst in the pool of D&D, I come from a MOBA background. I was obsessed with League of Legends. Right. You're going to have to. Uh, you're going to have to unpack that one. What was? What was that mean? Uh, so, League of Legends is a MOBA. It's a massive online battle arena game. Ah. It's the biggest esports game in the world. The last ah. team that won it at Worlds got several millions worth of pounds just for playing this game, and it's got a bunch of lore and history. And I've designed a D and D game just around its lore. But one of the main Features that it tries to portray, doesn't always succeed, but tries to portray, is fair play and counterplay. So like, yes, this person might be good at this, but is really bad at that. So that's how you counter it. So Mm. like, they might have a lot of damage, but they don't have a lot of health. Mm. So if you can survive the attack and hit it back, they will die and you win. And that's how I like to look at, um, when I'm homebrewing monsters especially, is, is there any counterplay to it? Is it just an invincible monster with no chance of defeating it? If so, no, you shouldn't have that in your game. The players won't find it fun, and neither will you, I hope. Um, So I like to have monsters that, if they have multi-attack, for example, I want the players to be able to attack it from multiple sides and, you know, whittle its health down. I've created a monster, I've not ever released it, it was for a home game, where 
it had different health points depending on which part that you attacked it. So its hands, its mouth, and its mm. feet. And if you say attacked its hands, its smash attack or a punch attack no longer worked. If you attacked its mouth, its breath attack no longer worked. So depending on which one you were most afraid of, you would attack that. And then that's the counterplay. So eventually the monster gets less and less multi-attacks as it can't attack you with its punch, as it can't attack you with its breath. That's kind of clever. That's yeah, clever. I think it even had, its tail even had a health point, and it had like a tail, let's call it a tail whip um, attack. And once you chopped off its tail, it could no longer do that. And eventually the players whittled it down and killed it, and they thought it was really cool how I described the injuries that it, it had sustained in each of its different hit point areas. See, that's a lot of foreplay. That's very clever. Yeah. But I also like that theory. Every Death Star needs an exhaust port. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly that. <laughs> Which, I mean, an exhaust port on a multi-headed beast, clearly, like, <laughs> two, two digits in the arse will take down anything. Like, take down, take down a velociraptor with that. But that, that's a really nice way of looking at it, actually. And, yeah, I often, and Matt probably tell me, like... I often get bogged down in the narrative and then I'm like, oh, the thing I created, dead. But we had a lot of fun. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. In reality, it was far too easy to kill. Or well, was, oh, We are very good at, at, at our adventuring. We are uh, yeah. very efficient. Oh, highly skilled. <laughs> highly skilled. Uh, or I'll just drink too many cocktails. <laughs> just be like, ah, oh, fuck it. Like, the creature has a heart attack or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just spontaneously falls over for no reason whatsoever. Well done, you defeated it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's that's really interesting in itself. And I think I've we've only dabbled in homebrew content. Um, mm. I mean, if you go back long enough, when Maud of Nightmares was introduced a bit mm-hmm. afterwards in our campaign, played by Chanel, um, she stumbled across, um, or they stumbled across a goblin priestess called Mellifluent oh. Beltcrack. Because um, all NPCs I create have <laughs> ridiculous That's an names. amazing name. That's so much great, more creative than any name I've ever came up with. That's oh, I, I live. I live to make ridiculous names, as Matt will probably. Oh have. yeah. <laughs> and then obviously, with a name like Mellifluence, it's all about honey. So she had a beehive on her back. Of course. Uh, and the players killed. They kind of killed her, or she she sort of. Died peacefully in her bed, sort of. You'll have to listen to the podcast, isn't it? And Maud was like, I'm taking the beehive off her back. And I was like, oh, fuck off. Like, but you're well within your rights. So I had to homebrew a load of content about yeah. this beehive that suddenly became like a weaponized item and you attune to the beehive and you wear it like a fucking back hat <laughs> and you can deploy bees and occasionally it shouts out some honey for sustenance. And I was like, this is not a balanced piece of equipment. <laughs> I always feel bad in those moments when a player says, can I do this? And you're like, well, there's no reason you can't that I can think of right now, but I really wish you wouldn't because it's going to give me a headache. <laughs> but yeah, you can, I suppose. I, I have this pain every week. I yeah. mean, uh, Matt takes the piss out of me. <laughs> they, 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 they love getting into the long grass of characters and NPCs. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, bollocks, accents. And then depending on what region they're in, 
and and I always just panic and do a West Country accent. <laughs> and so Matt made this kind of like spin the wheel of AJ accents, and it was literally like West Country, West Country, West Country. Scottish. <laughs> yeah, all the dwarfs are Scottish, and everyone from the southern coast is like, sounds like they ride around on a combine harvester. <laughs> you see, that's really interesting. Because, like, everyone does that with their accents. Like, oh, you know, dwarves are Scottish, this person's this, and like, like you've just said. But when I do accents, or I try to avoid accents because I can never keep them up for very long anyway. But when I do a, an NPC speaking, it depends on their position that, of what they sound like, that all my mayors have the exact same voice. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. All across my games, all the mayors have the exact same voice. Um, hmm. All evil witches. Fair enough, they will all have the same voice in most people's campaigns, but yeah, they always have a higher pitched, squeaky voice. Yeah. My mayors always have a large mustache and go, oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, I think we should definitely invade that kingdom. They all try and sound like Winston Churchill. See, I I like trying to delight the players when I'm remember to, like, we, we had a wolf. In the campaign, we still technically sort of, if you follow along the campaign, have a wolf somewhere. It's currently embargoed in a... Um, <laughs> it's currently in... In, 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 um, Zoo? in a pound in Port Zoo. Yes, uh, it is. Because the players got arrested and went yes. sent to jail. And they had to put, we had to put a wolf somewhere, so we put him in the pound. But um, about halfway through the playing the campaign for a year, they learned how to speak with animals. And they'd never heard the wolf talk before. And, I was, and the wolf was called Lady. Yes. And I was like, well, fuck it. That's a human construct. What if the wolf isn't called Lady? So the first thing the wolf was was like, my name's Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> and just sort of like, it sounded like Ray Winston or something like that. And I was like, what a delightful idea that this beautiful looking wolf is actually like, Smokes forty a day and comes yeah. from Dagenham or something like that. <laughs> I also like that, like you corrected the name as well. Like, right, I've been wanting to say this for ages. My name's not Lady, okay? I don't name <laughs> that. I didn't choose that, okay? My name is Barbara. Yeah. Let's start calling me that from now on. And it just became a song going joke, took, and Barbara's like, yeah. "I accepted Lady because you fed me, but now you yeah. can piss off." <laughs> but yeah, no, then, then I forget, and I always reference her as Lady. Yeah, and then I'm like, shit, her name's Barbara. So we ended up in this big sort of ongoing joke, and we were like, stop dead naming Barbara, <laughs> and like, and and it just became this ongoing joke. But yeah, no, I, and again, we we sort of talked about this with Callum. I think part of the delight of D and D is fucking about with accents. Yeah, and when they go wrong, they go wrong. But there's a um, vulnerability, and when you mm-hmm. find players that you enjoy playing with and you trust. Who cares when yeah. stuff goes off the rail? Absolutely. I'm of a mind to be stupid enough to put this crap on the internet and I don't really <laughs> mind who laughs <laughs> with me yeah. or at me or whatever. Like, at some point, the Philippines are going to come after us <laughs> as a nation because we've we've insulted them accidentally <laughs> more times than I care to remember. I, I always say, like, when I'm prepping for a session, I ask my wife's advice a lot. She plays a little bit of D&D, and, but she knows a lot of real-world stuff. And I reference an NPC in my prep and she goes, oh, what does that NPC sound like? I'm like, I have no idea. Mm. No idea. Until the second they speak, I have no idea what that NPC is going to sound like. And it will sometimes be a surprise to me. And I'll have to like, if I do it one where I know I'm not going to be able to keep this up because it physically hurts to do it, 
Mm-hmm. I have to say, no, that's <laughs> not their voice. That's not their voice. I'm changing it now. We're doing a different voice because they're quite an important NPC and they're going to be speaking a lot and they're not doing that voice because it hurts. <laughs> what kind of accents are you doing that hurts? Are they like a thrash metal singer? I mean... <laughs> Hello, my <laughs> name is Nocklevy. That one hurts. <laughs> See, I always do like, yeah, no, that's a really good point. I don't know if I've ever gone growly. Like, I do a lot of like rock trolls. <laughs> kind of sound a little bit dumb. But like, I don't know if I've ever gone that's growly. That's very similar to the voice I give my dog. But it's very similar <laughs> to how my dog speaks in like in the real world. <laughs> But then I, again, we, we we went over this like in the other podcast. Right? But but I need there's certain accents that I need to. I keep trying Scouse, and yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll start in Scouse, and then it will just sort of move across <laughs> the country somewhere up north, and I'll be like, I am I am impressed how like what you can you can pick up a character that we saw two years ago, and well, I, I assume you remember the accent, but you do a good job of like. I'm just, you, you must have notes somewhere, but I'm like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, no. I mean, my, my Miro board for our campaign looks like the serial killer's lair in Seven. <laughs> There's just shit just everywhere and, like, threads between them. And then I have to put a little note on... I've got a little sticky note for every character with a little kind of, like, him mm-hmm. her connected to them. And then I, they've killed... They've incidentally or accidentally killed so many characters. I have to have a little icon for, like, <laughs> this guy's dead or this guy's presumed dead might bring him back. Um, Kills, yeah, it does. insulted, had sexual relations with... <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a point early on where we realised Hanar should slept with one tenth of the cast. Oh. <laughs> We're either going to have to get this guy to some sort of fantasy clinic. Or... See, that is definitely a skill I don't have. My accents are, have zero consistency, and I'm not just talking about session to session. In the same conversation, <laughs> my NPCs can just straight up change accents, and after a while, I'm like. Yeah, he's travelled a lot. <laughs> he doesn't know where he's from. Nobody does. Yeah, see, I think I got the bug originally, long before I played D&D. I sort of had a bit of time off. I played some D&D when I was younger, mm. or TTRPG. It was like a Star Wars thing. And then I didn't really play for about 20-odd years. And uh, But there was definitely a time in the middle. I was, um, I was a developer. Mm. I was working at a design agency in Bakewell in Derbyshire. And my my chair happened to be nearest the front door of the office. So every time the fucking doorbell rang with the postman, I had to go and, and collect the post. And after a while, I was like, I'm going to make a game of this. I'm just going to just every day I'm going to a- answer the door in a different accent and just be like, all right, my lover. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, like, the next day I'd be like, all right, how's it going? You all right? How's it been? And I was like thinking, this guy's either going to be like, mm, like he's, he's either going to think I'm nuts or he's losing his mind. <laughs> but yeah, I've always, I've always enjoyed pissing about and role playing. Um, mm. So, so D and D is is no great reach there. But for the consistency's sake, Christ, this isn't the, like the Royal Shakespeare Society. Yeah. Like, I've no illusions that we're producing Hamlet or anything <laughs> like that. And I think, the main, the main aim is to have fun. See, we're already going off track. We're literally like <laughs> a little bit partway through this. <laughs> Let's bring it back with a question: Who is your fantasy hero? I know that's a little bit off target, but and and feel free for it to be a content creator or a character. There's no limitations. Um, oh, excellent question. Then I hadn't thought of 
characters. And also by uh, fantasy, I mean like adult literature as well. You know, like you can yeah. go Mills and Boone if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think in terms of... I'll, I'll do one of each then. So I think TTRPG creators, I have to reference Dungeon Dudes. They were the first channel I found on YouTube with regard to TTRPG. I spammed every single one of their videos. I learned so much from them. And their campaign, Dungeons of Drakenheim, which they released on Kickstarter probably about a year ago now, because I was very late to them, uh, was fantastic. They did all the voices. It was wonderful. And every hint and tip that they gave in terms of how to be a better player, how to be a better DM, I absorbed that knowledge. And they were so influential in how I am now at the table. Uh, other people on Twitterverse I will reference are Abyssal Brews, who create fantastic items, I think, weekly now. I've, I've actually asked them if they want to come on here. They haven't replied, so maybe you could use some of your, <laughs> you know, okay. like... <laughs> My influence. I know they are both very busy. They It takes them a while to respond to me. Possibly it's fine. We, we've, got, we've got unmarked envelopes full of cash for... <laughs> Lunch and vouchers, or whatever. Somebody whatever. else who creates fantastic work is Bogus Cheesecake, who has recently released Bolaris. You're making a shit up. Bogus Cheesecake? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I think that's his Twitter handle as well, at Bogus Cheesecake. Sounds like an indie band from Detroit. I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Bogus um, Cheesecake. All right, give us the elevator pitch on that one. Well, he's created a world with flying whales and blimps, and you can fish in the sky. This is brilliant. Yeah, that's all I needed. As soon as I saw that, I was like, yep, get that when it was released. Um, I only knew about it because I made him a video for it, so I was quite pleased about that. <laughs> Bogus cheesecake? Yeah. Fishing <laughs> in a blimp in the sky. <laughs> it's kind of feels... I'm going to tell him that I've talked about him. He's going, like, why are they mocking my name? It's not my fault. <laughs> and again, like that's the beauty of D&D. I know I'm lightly mocking Bogus Cheesecake, and if that's actually the name his parents give him, I'm really sorry. <laughs> right. But... Like, that's the beautiful thing about D&D. Like, we pushed our kind of imagination so far. That doesn't sound insane. <laughs> no, and it's like, not the weirdest one you can find, is it? No, really? it's not the weirdest I mean... shit you can find. Whereas in everyday life, like, if you start telling stories to people, they're like, he's a bit crazy. Or they just start backing away, or, or you get fired. Why is he still talking to me? Like, yeah. This is the bus. Go away. <laughs> Whereas, like, in D&D, you, I mean, depending on what your DM's like, and I'm fairly liberal, you can you can do pretty much anything. Yeah. And a lot of our players often just do whatever the hell. You know, like, yeah. we ended up with an impromptu murder mystery. Sadly, it was before <laughs> we started recording the podcast. But yeah, it was a murder, and, and these guys waded into the middle of it, and they just became the world's worst crime scene investigator. <laughs> where, where she shed more blood... From yeah. our own wounds than, yeah, than yeah, the victim. Yeah. And, and in true, like, um, aliens fashion, sucked the killer out of an airlock and a blimp. <laughs> Hence the the blimp uh, connection. Yeah. Yes. But, um, so that's interesting. So Dungeon Dudes. Yes. Clearly got to check them out. Absolutely. Uh, bogus Cheesecake. Yeah. Who maybe, maybe one day, Matt, <laughs> we will get Bogus Cheesecake on this very I podcast. I no doubt they would be absolutely up for that. Uh, in terms of outside of TTRPG, I actually got a lot of my inspiration from professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. Um, because it's a story. They tell a story every single week, and then there's a, a battle, and then there's a fight between two <laughs> people, and sometimes other people get involved. And the, the talkers, the proper talkers, like... Um, 
Paul Heyman, uh, Chris Jericho, The Rock, Ren Johnson, they give them a mic and they can make you feel anything. They can make you hate them. They can make you love them. They can get you excited for a match that 10 minutes ago you never heard of. And it is just all a story. It's just one long, most of the time, storyline that just brings all these different people together at times. And I'm still a fan of wrestling. Um, in fact, as we're recording, WrestleMania is tonight. But yeah, big fan of wrestling since I was a child. I loved all of it. And yeah, that's when I'm thinking about how I want to tell a story. That's where my inspiration comes from in terms of D&D. You're just dropping allegorical bombs there. <laughs> that's fascinating. That's, that's fascinating. I must yeah. admit, I never really into wrestling. Obviously, growing up a child of the 80s. Yeah. It was all Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do you remember the cards? You used to get these like Panini cards. Yeah. I never had any, and I think I found one on the floor. And it was some some ridiculous. I think it was called the tugboat. And <laughs> yeah, if, if you attempted yeah. to call yourself that now, it sounds quite <laughs> masturbatory. <laughs> sounds a bit like a sailor having a wank. But like, I never really, I never really got interested. But obviously, mm. I was well aware of it. And I can obviously allegorically, I can I can see that. Yeah, uh, that's kind of nice. Like you yeah. say, it's it's like a D and D session. It's a yeah. It's a lot of talking and then a, and then a fight. It's yeah, uh, it's exactly <laughs> that. Like the jump between D and D and WWE is a lot smaller yeah. than you might think. But do you know what the magic of that is? It's suspending disbelief. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that really comes in handy. We're, we're about to go serious. Strap on in. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people who struggle to play D&D because they can't suspend disbelief. Mm. I mean, I don't want to... Ooh, I was nearly going to... Yeah, right. So I may have gone out with someone once and we might have gone to the cinema and we might have gone to watch the first remake of the Star Trek series by J.J. Abrams. And... It starts. I can't remember if I told the story in the last podcast. Apologies, we did. I don't think so. I've recently listened to it. it We're sitting there, and it starts, and I'm like, "This could be good. This could be good." You know, I'm a bit of a trekkie. Have been, and it comes up, and the intro comes in, and and like the ship comes in, and she just turns around to me and she goes, "Why are they in space?" (laughs) I'm like, "Fucking called Star Trek. Just suspend disbelief. Doesn't need a ginormous cannon, a backstory like." Let's just believe they're in fucking space and everything just is built on that. Right. They are, okay? It's they're fine. just in space. That's the world we're living in now. They are in space. It's a very low bar to bang your <laughs> head on in Star Trek. <laughs> like the rest of Star Trek, and I've not watched a lot, them being in space is the bare minimum that you have to accept, okay? Yeah. That is it. That is the premise. From there it goes up. It's an uphill battle. <laughs> but having said that, and, and apologies to the person who probably doesn't oh. listen to this, but, you know, anyway. <laughs> suspending disbelief is the key to D&D, and it's something yeah. that I can do very easily, very fortunate, and I can fall into imagined worlds and, and all that stuff. But I know for a lot of people, that's quite a high bar yeah. to turn off the day-to-day, the bills, the stress, the anxiety, mm. the work-related problems, family, whatever. You know, and we live in very stressful times. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I do feel very blessed that I can just be like, "Fuck it, you're staying at the door," and <laughs> yeah. I'm off to make believe fantasy world. I'm in my office. I've got my headphones on. Nothing else is happening. Mm. I got to admit, like in terms of the low bar there, like if I had to compare Star Trek in space with D and I think you meet at a tavern is probably where we're going in at that because I don't remember the last person I met at a pub. <laughs> let alone chatted to and then went on an adventure with <laughs> a week later and just accepted they're my friends now. <laughs> like, that's the, you meet in a tavern, 
Why am I at the tavern? I don't know. You're meeting them there. It's fine. <laughs> but this is the problem, and I don't want to bring this back to like planet Earth here, but you don't <laughs> meet people in bars anymore. So no. dating, you used to meet people in bars, mm-hmm. and you strike up a conversation. You're either had to be cripplingly funny or like a wizard <laughs> at pool or something like that. Yeah. But if you attempt that these days, you get arrested. Yes. But I don't think you could start a D&D campaign and be like, you're five disparate people, an elf, <laughs> a dwarf, a half-orc. You all met on a digital app whilst yeah. looking for, <laughs> it's like... Tinder for adventurers. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't quite work in a modern setting like that, does it? <laughs> it just wouldn't work. But yeah, I suppose like every fantasy hero generally starts off half-pissed in a bar, which is, <laughs> which is how our campaign sort of started. I burned the bar down in our campaign before it started. So they they were like a bunch of adventurers who had pissed about and burned down their local and were then about to serve time or community service. Mm. So I got that worn trope out of the way by burning the bar down <laughs> before <laughs> yeah. session zero. I like the um, – just on that, though, it was interesting. To, then we went – we did sort of a prequel one-shot uh, a little bit later on where we established that we – that, for example, Belsia had met Hanash before. And then that led us to the bar, and it was just nice to have that kind of... Um... See, I missed that episode. I was either ill or oh, away. Yeah, it was quite a... And we didn't record the episodes in those. I've got no idea how the bloody players <laughs> in the own campaign. But every, every interaction I have with Hanash, I'm... You, you, you might not even have noticed it, but in my in my mind, it's like Hanash is my oldest friend in the party. Like, I knew him before anyone mm. else, so it's, it's quite an interesting... Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. See, this is the thing with Matt, you <laughs> discover, like, Paul. I'm in the DM, AJ. Ah, oh, fuck it. I sometimes feel a little bit like God looking down from the clouds, and I'm like, like I gave that. you this planet, what the fuck have you done with it? Why are you doing this? Not again. Not again. Why have you strapped a Tesla to a rocket and flown it to <laughs> Like, no, and... and, and the, the thing I love about Matt, which I think is brilliant, is he plays the game on a whole other level. Yeah. <laughs> and and the amount of academia and forethought that Matt brings and never shares until one day <laughs> he will bless us with his nuggets. But, yeah, no, and I think absolutely, again, we've been talked about a million times, is the beauty, again, that players... Some people just come to D&D and are like, I need an escape. Yeah, and other people are like I need a laugh, and some people are like I need a reason to be sociable, and mm-hmm. yeah, some people love to get stuck into the long grass. Mm-hmm. Like Matt, and, and everyone, yeah, I, mean, I think in our group we have an example of four, for, well, no, five very different players mm. who couldn't be more. We all enjoy like 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 Chris, who plays Tatty, really loves the. I think he's a he's a. He's not a min-maxer, but he's a rule-focused player. He's like, yeah. okay, if I do this mm-hmm. and this and this, I get a critical hit. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hanash is just like, what can I take a shit on next? <laughs> that is his modus operandi. But every player, each one of us is as very much a valid player as the next. Like yeah. the, the, and it's... Whoop. We, the fact that somehow this the whole thing works is just so when it when it kicks off, it's beautiful to see. It's very nice. Yeah, yeah. I will say I am on episode six of your podcast, and I know there's like thirty of them, and I'm catching up slowly. Oh, that's lovely. We, we should actually fess up at that point. I should fess up because really I'm in control of it. I actually took the first th- three episodes offline. The problem is when we started out. 
we were just enthusiastic and I knew fuck all about podcasts. Yeah. And listening back to them, the audio quality on the first few podcasts is abysmal <laughs> because we didn't have like multi-stream recording like we're doing now where I can, you know, if Matt's cat goes ballistic, we can just edit that particular bit out with no, with no yeah. issue. We didn't know. So it's all just one long stream, the first few episodes. And I thought, I wonder how many people we lose who just turn up on episode one and are like, wow, that's really low quality. Even though it could be funny, the narrative could be good. Yeah. But the the problem with episodic content is it lends itself to being listened to sequentially Mm -hmm. rather than, say, I'm just going to zone in on a true crime podcast because my partner's obsessed with them. (laughs) You know, you're like, oh, yeah, they're doing one on Ted Bundy. I really dig Ted Bundy. I'm going to zone into Ted Bundy. I don't know why I am. Uh, Because he was sexy. But, like... (laughs) The most dangerous people always are. It's that's, that's some words I'm going to regret later. Um, but you can sort of zone in on the different, you know, and if it's interviews, you're like, oh, I really like Louis Theroux. So someone's interviewed him. I'll go and listen to that. Whereas with yeah. ours, you've only really got the titles to go on. Why would yeah. episode 16 be any fucking funnier than four or 23? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was a little bit. And I thought, well, at some point we'll do a campaign to even if it's with the same characters and we'll yeah. all have much better mics and much better at not talking over the top of each other. <laughs> so I'll, I'll admit here in public, yeah, I might have nuked the first few episodes. That's fine. But being that we well, started halfway through a campaign anyway, we literally started yeah. with Tatty halfway up a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> it made no more sense then than it would have a few yeah. episodes later. So it's good to hear you're, you're digging into it. You'll have to remind what goes on four, five, four. The first one's you're a one shot. You're in a clock tower. And someone's put their hand in it and lost the nubs oh, in their finger. That's Tatty. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I want to get at 1.5 speed. Well, listening to it at 1.5 speed. So oh, everything's Jesus. going very quickly. Um, <laughs> and I do it while I'm walking my dog or watching the pots or something. But yeah, I listen to most What? That's what people do. They listen to podcasts sped up. They, I can do. I don't know if people wow. do. but Oh, okay. That could just be a you thing. Yeah, maybe. It's an option on uh, Spotify to speed that's it up. Brilliant. You could also do it on the Twitch because I listen to my own back at one point five because then I'm less conscious about my voice because mm. everyone sounds funny when they're sped up. That's interesting. All right, all right. I'm going to bring this back down to <laughs> earth. What's your favourite piece of homebrew content that you go back to? And I'm going to put a caveat on that: not your own, someone else's oh. that you've co-opted, and you just <laughs> think that's so good it should have been in the bloody. Robert. Excellent question. There is one that I could say, but it's going to feature later on in Homebrew Havoc, and I'm hoping my players listen to this, so I don't want to say it, but it's quite important. Maybe you so, could just rename it a little bit like... So... No, I really can't. I, I don't know uh, how I could do it without giving it away. Uh, but um, the Tavern Studio, who is another Twitter friend of mine, um, has as the name might suggest, various taverns. And he's done it so that you can just plot them in a campaign and they're fully built. They have a menu, they have a drinks menu, they have a price list. They have about three or four different NPCs that are in each tavern. And he's done it so that there's a wine bar, there's a tea shop, there's a another couple of taverns that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, just basically because, oh, there's a tavern. Oh, what does it look like? I have no idea. I haven't prepared it that much. But this person has. Tavern Studios has. And it features in Homebrew Havoc. He very kindly lent us these taverns. 
so just to, just as a bit of digging into that, is it a generator or is it a set of very well written taverns? Uh, a set of very well written taverns. Um, so like he's even got images of the menu, so you can show it your players. And I think a couple have like um, <laughs> mission boards outside, so it's got a couple of plot hooks and side missions for your players as well. So uh, I've used that in Homebrew Havoc and a couple of other uh, campaigns as well. Ah. And and just to shamelessly name drop him again, what was her name? Uh, Tavern Studios. I will double check their Twitter name. Tavern Studios. We're just going to have to earmark all of these people on Twitter. Yeah. So you see, I love moments like that. And, and probably because I'm a show pony and an improvising twat. <laughs> but any time... <laughs> Like, you know, the, the, it's got to have a comedy name, so the inn's got to be called, like, um, the Krusty Barnacle or, like, something like that. Like, mm-hmm. and, and it's just another opportunity to piss about, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we very recently, in an episode that hasn't aired yet, but I don't think it's a major spoiler, there was a, um, I always get their name wrong. Is it Aracoca? What's the name of the bird people? Um, I, I, I don't know. My mind's gone blank. I just know that that owl guy. Aracoca sounds right. Yeah, uh, we've got a lot. We're gonna have a lot of people DMing us when this goes <laughs> out. Anyway, he's an owl man, and a panicked. And I was like, "Shit, what's his name?" So I just called him Civic Cloaca. Thought <laughs> like having a bird multi-use orifice as his. <laughs> would be like hilariously funny i often panic and just go for the low-hanging fruit of jokes you see that's really good because i often panic and just go for the most mundane of names ever like george who is a yeah george who is a problem <laughs> member of every campaign i've ever been in or ever dm'd is just because i panic to give a npc a name i was gone george the other one is steve <laughs> So I, my my names are like single syllable male names because oh, I really? can't think quickly enough, and so George just always goes to my head. It's always like there there was a guy who worked in an abattoir in ours, and I just called him Pete Creamy Shanks, and like it's just how many stupid words can we put together yeah. <laughs> to make him sound vaguely offensive? And I, I I remember a long time ago watching an interview with Neil Gaiman. Mm. Again, is one of my fantasy heroes. If I'd have a fantasy hero content creator, it would probably be somewhere between Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. And um, rest in peace, Terry Pratchett, uh, massively informative in my life. And, and, and Neil Gaiman did an interview, and, and people were asking him how to make characters and things like that. And he said, always give your character a silly hat before they do anything, before they say anything people might struggle to remember that character in yeah. the sea of other characters. So make them stand out slightly. Yeah. Give them a silly hat. Well, their, their silly hat is always their, mm-hmm. their name. Who's, who's going to forget a guy called Pete Creamy Shanks? Like, <laughs> before he's done anything, you're like, well, this guy sounds like a tit. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you start thinking, he must come from a proud heritage of Creamy Shanks. <laughs> is there a, a Creamy Shanks family crest? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what, what would it have on it? Oh, God. Jesus <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's, um, that's really good. Sorry, I always go way off topic. So, yeah, having, having a set of, of tightly written taverns yeah. sounds brilliant. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that is something that can be deployed to good use. Yes, um, absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm the, always jealous, always jealous the of content. The only other thing, and it, I didn't want to say it because it's kind of mine, but if I give my wife full credit, then it's not. Is the Nuck Levy? N-U-C-K-L-A-V-E-E. 
It's technically not homebrew because it's actually a first edition monster. I didn't know that when I made it up. So it's from Scottish folklore. Right. And if you Google a picture of Nuklavi, you will be horrified. You can hear the pitter-patter of keys. <laughs> <laughs> it is a horse with a man on top, but it is a singular being. And all you can see is the muscular oh, system. I must have spelled that wrong, because I've got the Urban Dictionary definition of fuck-knucklery. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how you advertise your campaign? Fuck-knucklery? No, no, we're <laughs> fuck-nuggetry. Ah, right. Okay. As a man who works in copyright, I'm, uh, it's all about the fine details. I will send you the spelling. That is hideous. There you go. I think that's right. Yeah, so it is a singular being with a muscular system as skin. And I introduced that in my Curse of Strahd campaign as the thing that pulls Strahd's carriage. The fuck is that? Yeah. It's unpleasant. Go find that. <laughs> N-U-C-K-E-L-A-V-E-E. Um, it is a horrifying being. And my wife said, wouldn't it be really cool if this was in your campaign? I was like, no, that's horrifying. <laughs> I'm definitely using it. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many questions. It looks like a centaur fist fucked a prosciutto. Like, <laughs> what the hell is that? Yeah, it's either from uh, Scottish mythology or Norse mythology, depend or both, I suppose. Depend which website you read. They've either been drinking whiskey or eating mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. One or the other. That is quite something. That's going to lead me on to my next question. <laughs> which look, we are nothing if not professional. Where do your <laughs> best ideas come from? Do they come to you on the toilet, in the shower? Um. So my best ideas come to me at either three a.m. when I'm too tired to remember to write them down, and I should mm. really be awake. Mm. And I'm hoping, even while I'm having the idea, going, I barely hope I remember that tomorrow. I should write it down. <laughs> I'm not writing it down. Why aren't I writing it down? We'll remember it tomorrow. Um, or, interestingly, my best ideas come to me while I'm writing for a prep session. But the idea is not for that session. It's for about six sessions from now, when I do this amazing like plot twist. So my mind is working on session six weeks from now, while I'm typing for sessions in two days. You're like the Gary Kasparov of D&D. Yeah. You're literally like, ah, you've walked into my web. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. All my campaigns are weirdly connected, and I'll leave clues here and there. And mm. even if I'm the only one that gets it and gets the connections, I'm still happy. Even if my players are like, that's weird, why did that happen? Like, because 17 sessions ago, this happened. And this is what. <laughs> See, I wish I was that smart. Yeah. <laughs> I'd leave really puerile shit lying around. We we had a tabaxi <laughs> roof, uh, we had a tabaxi treetop village, and I, in the map I just left shit around. Like um, the leader of the tabaxi was called Thunder Blossom, and on his bed I just left several aubergines and a paddle. <laughs> just so I was like, if anyone zooms in on the map. That's environmental <laughs> uh, storytelling. <laughs> yeah, I was like, maybe it was Sparks. I think somebody picked up an aubergine and bludgeoned a character to death with it at one point. Of course, it sounds like us. Yeah, sounds like something you do. <laughs> That's interesting. So you're very much like um, multitasking, like yeah. you're thinking ahead, find being inspired by mm-hmm. by stuff. Like I can, I can be stuck on the camp, the session that I'm on. Like, oh, I don't understand how my players are going to get from here to here. 
I'm mm. sure from railroading them or just telling them to go there. Mm. But then I'm thinking, like, it's okay, though, because in eight sessions, this twist is going to be amazing. And I'm like, yes, but what's happening right now? I don't know what's happening right now, but in eight sessions, it's going to be amazing. So it's great because I can think ahead like that. But it would be really nice if I could also think for the right now, because yeah. the session is in two days and I could really do with some prep. That's interesting. See, I've just become so jaded and bitter at Matt's inability <laughs> to stick to the fucking plot that I think I could write this shit or I could have a loose idea and yeah. sand a lot of stuff. And then <laughs> the amount of fucking times NPCs are like, maybe you should go to Port Zoon. And, and they're like, no. It's just that short yeah. yeah. We're the opposite what do we direction. do now? Well, there's a giant arrow telling you go that way. And they never do. Go that way. Yeah. It's like doing the main quest in a in an Elder Scrolls game. It's yes. yeah. They've got so many side quests, they're like just going off the bottom of the screen. It's, yeah. it's obscene. It is obscene. Is it is it not difficult to resist the urge to kind of throw them throw the twist in straight away or does it take patience Absolutely. to Yeah. Um it's hard to resist because I just want to tell them what this amazing twist is going to be. Like, guys, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, no, you, I can't tell you. Uh, <laughs> um, it's even worse when my wife is in the campaign because I really can't tell her. And she's the only person I could tell because I could tell my other friends, but they'll be like, sorry, what's D&D? Just, mm. why are you rolling dice? Let's go back a bit. Like, no, we don't have time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, again, uh, it's whatever fevered crap falls out the front of my yeah. head often. But very much from an improv background, I'm like, I'm just going to delight these people by yes-anding every piece yeah. of nonsense that falls out the front of their heads. But that's actually quite insightful, just the way different DMs operate, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And, and they are worlds apart, but we all have fun. Yes. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this into land by saying... What advice would you have for people thinking of creating homebrew content but never have? Um, so if you've never done it before, I would really think about why you're doing it. If it's just because you want to play a ranger in a certain way, but it's not in the cool rule book or any of the books that you found that are official, search online. It's very rare that you won't find somebody who has shared that idea and done it for you already. And if that's all you wanted, fine, great. But if you're creating it because you want to do it your own way, make sure you know the rules and the writing style of D&D. Everything's described in the same way for consistency's sake. And so that people reading it know what it is. When I first created it, my writing was all over the place. I was like, yeah, this person rolls a D4 for this. It's like, no, dial it back. Copy what is in the core rulebook for that specific moment. Um, and so I, I, I won't lie. I am sure everyone says it. I don't know all the rules. <laughs> I often yeah. say I don't know any of the rules in D and mm. I trust my players to know what their players should do, and then I just roll dice um, for a little bit. <laughs> I think one of the reasons I like homebrew stuff so much is because then the rules change, and I don't have to pretend I know them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I do know is somebody else who has been playing D&D for over 20 years and has memorized the entire three core rulebooks. A player's handbook, Dungeon Master's Guide, and Monster Manual. And so whenever I create something or see something created, I'll send it to him 
Uh, and he'll go, yes, no, change this, and it's fine. And I trust him way more than I trust my own experience. Um, That's interesting. Because I've been playing it for eight years, and I'm still surprised when someone tells me there's something new with the Dungeon Master's Guide. I'm like, is there? That's a, there's a guide for that? Great. <laughs> but then I think it's a lot, again, it's a lot to do with having a group of people who trust each other, <laughs> and you're there to have fun. I mean, for instance, I played for years before I realized I was using the performance check wrong. I was like, <laughs> shit, that's charisma. And <laughs> yeah. I just, any time anyone had to do anything, I was like, you're sort of performing? Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, that's fine. But you're still rolling a dice at the end yeah. of the day, and it's still a degree Numbers of are arbitrary. Like, you could roll anything yeah. from a 15 to a 17, I'm probably going to say the same thing. Yeah, like, it's fine. Your rolls are rolls. Uh, no, I agree with you on that one, and I think, you know, the rules are there to get you from A to B. Mm-hmm. Unless... It's not like you're playing in the Wimbledon final and you're suddenly change yeah. the <laughs> fucking rules and someone's like, piss off. Like, <laughs> you literally, it's a mechanism, it's a carriage, mm-hmm. it's taking you from yeah. one place to another place. I think as well, as long as you're honest with the players from the very start, from that set of zero, and go, this is rules light. If you ask me if you can do something and the book says no, I'm probably going to say yes. As long as it goes back to that thing I mentioned earlier, the counterplay is what you're doing impossibly difficult to counter or is what you're doing incredibly creative and I hadn't thought of it and really well done on that. And I'll go, yeah, absolutely you can do that. A prime example is um, in one of my home games that I did record for a podcast but then got so bored of editing it, I stopped doing it as a podcast. So mad props for those who edit podcasts. Um, (laughs) Yeah, really mad props for that. He... Basically, had to eat the the in world spiciest burrito. This was <laughs> the spiciest burrito they could ever do. And if they did it, they got some clout in the town, so they got some discount. Yeah. And it was a cleric. He'd been volunteered by his fellow players to eat this, and mm. he said, "Like you're you're a rules light DM, aren't you?" And I went, "Yes, but you can't really say that in character. <laughs> that won't make sense." <laughs> like. Can I use chill touch on this burrito to make it less spicy? I was like, well, what's the official wording of chill touch? And he read it to me. I went, you know what? That sounds amazing. And even if chill touch isn't described as that, I love the idea of you chill touching this burrito to make it less spicy. That sounds fantastic. Really well done. And I let him do it. And he didn't roll high enough to completely get away with it. (laughs) But he rolled high enough that he didn't you know, defecate himself there and then. In the <laughs> uh, he did, however, defecate himself the next day because of how badly he rolled on a performance check, but um, not there and then. So that was He good. shat himself because of charisma. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're coming to D&D yeah. for the lols. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think very much come down on the rule of cool and fun. Mm-hmm. Within reason. So we've got a character who can talk with animals. We've got a couple now, I think. <laughs> and and it's sort of, I mean, just in one of the most recent episodes, last episode, I think, she was like, can I talk to a spider? And I'm like, well, that's an insect, but <laughs> why not? Like, at some point, if she starts trying to talk to the dust mites in the mattress, <laughs> I might be like, have to, I'm like, oof. I might have to think of like, them as a hive mind, yeah, like an NPC made up of millions of collective. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's where the fun of it comes, and, and a proper a proper DM. I don't know, like a rules 
really a DM would be like, no, piss off. Yeah. I think you'll find a spider is an arachnid. <laughs> I can't imagine playing D&D with that kind of attitude. It just feels like, well, why even pretend you're a, a magical crocodile at all if you're not going yeah. to accept you can talk to spiders? Yeah, it's very weird to hear the word no at a D&D table, isn't it? Because, like, can I try this? Yeah. Absolutely. It's so rare that I ever say no to players for anything. That sometimes, can I roll to, like, Seduce a Dragon is a rarely prime example. Um, <laughs> can I roll to Seduce a Dragon? I'll go, yes. But even if you roll a 20, you won't be seducing the dragon. You'll just not be being incinerated. That's your choice. Like, you can still roll for it. I'm not going to stop you. But you're not sleeping with this dragon. And if you want that, it's going to gain attachment issues and text you every three seconds to find out where you are. And the dragon's going to get jealous that you're hanging out with other dragons. And then there's going to be a domestic uh, abuse thing. And it's going to go wild. And that's how Puff the Magic Dragon was born. Yeah. (laughs) Great stories have an origin and and being true to things and just saying yes when you probably shouldn't. Yeah. I think it is a bit, no, I know exactly what you mean. And and there are probably a few times when I'm re, when I'm editing the podcast and I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> contention. I said, <laughs> far more likely to say yes, just for the shits and giggles yeah, and to keep the status quo. But no, that is, that is a very good point. Right. Before we run out of time, cause I know you've got other uh, things. You, you're mm-hmm. a man in demand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have any shameless plugs or shout-outs you'd like to give? In fact, come on, let's just give over a little bit of time to Homebrew Havoc because we've been around the houses, but I don't think we've done it enough justice. And I know there'll probably be quite a few people on there who will be listening to this. Mm-hmm. And if they're not on, people who aren't on there, let's tell people how they can get involved with that, what they can expect. And uh... Absolutely. So uh, as I mentioned um, at the start, you can find me on um, at ampersand 20 on Twitter. I spout about the Discord server, Homebrew Havoc, multiple times a day. And yeah, that's where we chat, create different ideas. I've got loads of channels for uh, you know NPCs, character classes, subclasses that, Matt, you put your crocodile thingy on earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where we also stream. You can find us on Twitch at ampersandd20, I think it is. So www.twitch.com forward slash ampersandd20 where we have a very interactive stream. Uh, you can give players bardic inspiration. You can give me bardic inspiration as a DM. And we even have a D20 game that subscribers can play. i be honest with you, I've introduced it last week, and I don't know what the prize is, but we can play it. So yay. <laughs> um, Why but not? yes, you can also find um, my website on my Twitter as well, where I have all my... TTRPG graphics and uh, intros as well. In terms of shameless plugs, I would like to thank all of my Homebrew Havoc players. Mm. That's Ailey, Shiv, Callum, and Tony. You can find them all on Twitter at their appropriate handles. I would love to say their appropriate handles, but I can't pronounce some of them, so I'm not going <laughs> to because I don't want to do them disservice. But you, if you find me on Twitter, you'll find them pretty quickly. We could always put them in the show notes if you yes. want to, if you want to uh, fire mm-hmm. them over to me afterwards. Wonderful. I also want to thank my Saturday crew. So we are just starting this Saturday um, a Descent into Avernus slash Homebrew campaign, which is very much not like Descent into Avernus, but there's going to be a lot of hell and fire and demons. 
And nice. so it's quite like to send them to Avernus. But that is Callum, Derek, Mashashi, and Joe. Um, Callum is in pretty much all of my games at this point. He, mm. like, I just can't get rid of him. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love Callum. He's a great player. He's a, an absolutely fantastic player. Um, and I do want to give a special shout out to Derek, who is in that campaign. He is DMDM underscore studios. Because without him, I probably wouldn't be in the TTRPG space. He's the mm. first, what I would call, like, proper friend, not just, like, business partner or fellow player, proper friend mm. that I found in the community. And all of my work and success and anything I do in the future is pretty much down to him and the amazing community that he started over on his Discord channel. So I do want to give a special shout-out to him. That's lovely. That is lovely. And, of course, we've still got all the people who we've aforementioned. Sorry if I missed some of you out. We've got the Dungeon Dudes mm-hmm. uh, that I definitely need to go and check out. My personal favorite, Bogus Cheesecake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the name alone has me on that one. The uh, the people who you nominated to be our next guest, Abyssal Brews. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have to grease a few palms to get them on. <laughs> uh, they appear to have blocked me for harassing them on social media. Tavern Studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For for those people who need to quickly slide a pub into their campaign. And uh, the sponsor of this week's episode, a knucklery. <laughs> a knuckle-a-vee. Which... knuckle-a-vee. Oh, a knuckle-a-vee. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, if you don't want to sleep tonight, go <laughs> and Google that one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I feel like we have put the world to rights and name-checked some fairly wonderful people in the world of TTRPG there. That just leaves us enough time to give a massive Adventurers Anonymous thank you to Paul, a.k.a. Ampersand. Thank you for for turning up and thank you for sharing a little bit of your world with us. Thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolute delight. I look forward to it. And uh, we'll try and get involved in in something you're doing on Homebrew Havoc uh, very soon. So take care of yourself and uh, we will see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. See you in a bit. Hello Pod, it's HJ again. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. We really appreciate you tuning in for another dollop of fun-packed fantasy fucknuggetry. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this interview as much as we did making it. And for any TTRPG content creators out there who didn't catch it in the interview, why not pop over to Homebrew Havoc and join in all the collaborative fun there and check out some of Paul's hard work. Paul himself can be found on the Twitters at ampersand d20. So why not go and give him a follow and find out more about his sinister cabal of content? As for the veritable smorgasbord of content creators Paul references in this interview, we will try to link to you all in the show notes. And, assuming you've made it this far, why not consider hitting that subscribe button and never missing another episode again? Better yet, give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you are on and help spread the word of our shenanigans far and wide. As ever, for all the latest news and updates, we can be found on the socials, on Twitter, at AdventurersANO1. We can also be found on Facebook and Instagram, and at adventurers-anonymous.com. And like we said before, if you truly are unlucky, you too may also one day find yourself being interviewed on this very podcast. So, that just leaves time for me to say a huge goodbye from Matt and myself. We'll see you next week. And remember, happy adventuring, my friends. Stay tipsy.